You know, guys, we all wear a lot of different hats and we're known by a lot of different names and descriptions. For instance, you're known as a man or a woman. You're known as an adult or a child, maybe as mom or dad. You're recognized by others as either single or married, employed or unemployed. You're someone's friend or, I don't know, maybe you're someone's enemy. You're known probably in your neighborhood, in the workplace as a Christian or maybe as an unbeliever. You're also known by what you do for a living. Maybe you're a plumber or an electrician. Maybe you're a doctor or a nurse. Or maybe you're a teacher or an accountant. And then some of you are known by your favorite people as grandma and grandpa. Grams or gramps. Grammy, nana, papa. One of my good friends attends our Noblesville campus, Cecil McCord, taught all of his grandkids when they were very young to call him Owo, and it stands for O Wise One. <laughs> so all of his family calls him now Owo. He's trying to get me to call him that, but I'm not about to do it. Sandy and I are known by our seven favorite people as Gam and Papaw. I chose Papaw because instigator, well, it just made me sound like bad influence, so I went with Papaw. Now, I know those of you that are grandparents will completely agree with me on this next point, but there is absolutely nothing like being a grandparent. People are gonna tell you how great it is, how amazing it is, but until you experience it, you just have no idea. In fact, if I would have known it was gonna be this great, I would have skipped being a parent and went right to being a grandparent. <laughs> well, we're in a series called Family Circus, and so far we've covered mothers and marriage and honoring your parents. Today we're gonna to talk about the importance of grandparenting. I want you to watch these Northview people as they talk about the importance of grandparents and their life. Watch the screen. Fortunately, I was blessed with grandparents who lived right next door. And they were the polar opposite of everything I was experiencing in my life. They were stability, uh, they were love, they were, lo they were kind, they were unselfish, their home was always open, and I spent a lot of time there in their living room because they were good listeners. We spent a lot of time with our grandparents. Our parents were starting a, a furniture business when we were young, and so our grandparents stepped in and just, uh, just treated us like they were parent, our parents. I remember her saying, I wanna hear you read the Bible to me. And we would sit there and I would read away. And that was that's another thing too, is she, she would listen. And um, anything that I had to say, anything <laughs> I had to do, whether it was singing, reading the Bible, if I called her, she would talk to me. She would drop everything and talk to me. When I go to sleep with them, my grandma starts praying and I fall asleep. And then in the background, you hear a whispering of like, and like, it's like my grandma praying, and I think she's like praying for the whole entire world. When I was a kid, um, I had a lot of anxiety and fears, and um, my grandmother came alongside of me and, and taught me a scripture. That's First John. Four, four, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And they taught me to just rely on, on God's word and put that, lock that scripture away in my heart when I was maybe afraid or feeling anxious about something. 
What I remember is just their behavior. The, what was modeled for me, not only in how they acted, but also just how, how they lived their day, their habits, their sense of purpose, their sense of self, was so formed around the Lord that there's no way to perceive it otherwise. There, like, there's no way I could look at their actions and see anything as void of love and grace. And I, I want to carry that as well. I want to model that. My parents, you know, we weren't, we weren't churchgoers at all. And so my first experience of going to church was with my grandmother. And as I look back now, I can see the seeds that were planted during those early times that now I look back and I go, yep, now I, now I get it a little bit. Grandparents can have such an incredible impact on shaping the lives of their grandchildren. You know, research has shown that the most defining social change that's taking place today is the aging of America. In other words, our society is getting older. One little girl asked her grandmother how old she was. Her grandmother said, well, I'm 39 and holding. And the little girl thought about that for a minute. She said, well, how old would you be if you let go? <laughs> there was an older gentleman and he was filling out an application and so he filled in his name and his address and his city and state. And then he came to the line that said zip. And he wrote down, not bad for my age. <laughs> Listen, regardless how old you are or how much zip you have left, this is certainly not a time to let go in life. I found as you get older, you don't feel like you can do all the things that you used to be able to do. Your body aches. It's hard to get up from the floor. And you can't remember where you left your car keys. And yet, guys, listen to me. Today's grandparents are the youngest, most fit, and most capable generation for their age as we've ever seen. I want you to listen to these statistics from a 2019 article I found that was written by the Population, Population Reference Bureau on the aging of America. They said the baby boom has now become the grandparent boom. They said there are over 70 million grandparents in the U.S. today. Of those older than 65, 83% of them have grandchildren. 37% of grandparents serve as the primary caregiver for their grandchildren. Grandparents have an average of five to six grandchildren. The number of Americans older than 65 is projected to nearly double from 52 million in 2018 to 95 million by 2060. Life expectancy has grown from 46 years old at the turn of the century to 75 today, or 78 today. 30 million grandparents profess to be Christian. Now, we just got through saying there were 70 million grandparents uh, in the United States today. 30 million of them profess to be believers. And yet, according to that same research, three out of four of those Christian grandparents take on a cultural view of grandparenting instead of a biblical view. And you say, well, what does that even mean? A culture view says, I'm gonna love them and spoil them and send them home. And you say, well, Steve, what's wrong with that? It's okay, but it misses the opportunity we have as grandparents to spiritually impact our grandchildren. A biblical worldview says, you know what? I'm gonna be intentional as a grandparent. I'm gonna find ways to pass my faith on to my grandkids. 
Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 71. He said, oh God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Friends, just think about the difference that 30 million grandparents could make in this country if we were intentional about our spiritual role in our grandchildren's lives. Friends, listen to me. Children have several voices that are running through their head. Don't you know that's true? All of us. If you think, even you as adults, you think about it, there are voices that run through your head. Maybe it was your parents, your grandparents, a teacher, a coach. We all have these different voices that form our value system. Well, it's certainly true today with young children. And even though there's a lot of negative voices coming at our kids today, the good thing is that the primary voice is still their parents. But there's other voices, teachers, uh, the media, coaches, peer pressure from friends. But grandparents, hear me, we're also one of the primary influences in that child's life. In fact, author, author Kevin Harper says this, grandparents are hands down the second most powerful influence in a child's life, and in many cases, they're actually the most significant influencer in their life. Today, I quickly wanna give you five things that I think will help you to be a spiritual influence in your grandchild's life. Now, some of these points are gonna overlap just a little bit. They're gonna sound very similar to one another. And if we really, that's okay. And if we talked about it, I'm sure we could come up with more than five. But I want us to look at five. And the first one I want us to look at, I've already mentioned, but it's by far the most important one. Number one, to be intentional. It is so imperative as a grandparent that you make a decision, I'm gonna be intentional with the steps I take in my grandchild's life. What does that mean? The dictionary defines it like this, something done deliberately, an action performed with awareness, done deliberately, consciously, or on purpose. That's the definition. Listen, grandparents, we need to be intentional. Now, I don't mean that we need to preach at our grandkids or nag them about spiritual things. That's not what I'm saying. But we do need to think about ways that we can have a positive spiritual impact on their lives. You know, like you, I daily pray for my grandkids. I daily pray for my kids, and I daily pray for my grandkids. And when I'm with them, I wanna love on them. I, I wanna have fun with them. I wanna be affectionate with them. I wanna instill values into their life. And I certainly want them to see Jesus in me. And I also want them to feel like that I am a safe place that they can come and talk about the struggles they might be having in their life. And friends, listen to me, I want them to know I see them. You say, well, what, what does that mean? More than anything else, all of us in this room, we wanna be seen. You know, they say the greatest problem in our culture today is loneliness. Why is that true? Because we don't feel like anyone sees us. Well, the same is true with our grandkids, and that's why I'm gonna be intentional. I want my grandkids to know that I see them. You know, I want some of their fondest memories to be, a, to be about time they spent with Sandy and me. You know, um, the Apostle Paul traveled, he did three missionary journeys. He traveled around starting up churches, starting up churches everywhere he went. <clears throat> and of course, so 
The problem is, of course, you have all these young Christians, they're brand new believers following Christ, and so they don't know how they're supposed to live or what they're supposed to do. And so as you read the epistles, a lot of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to these new churches, you hear him say this over and over again, just imitate me. Just, just watch the way I'm living my life. Just imitate me the way I imitate Christ. So he's saying, you can, just, you can see what it's like to be a Christian. Well, guys, in other words, I wanna live my life in a way, I want my grandkids to imitate me. I wanna live my life in a way that they see what it means to love God and my, live my life in a way that they see what it means to honor God in my life. I want that for my grandkids. As a kid, I was so blessed to have both sets of grandparents in my life. All of them lived nearby. I, I loved them and I knew I was loved by them. But my grandfather on my mother's side had a huge impact in my life. He seriously did. Because he was so intentional about shaping my life. There was, uh, I, let me just say this first. I, I don't know how we come up with these names that we do, like, oh, whoa, or how we come up with these names for our grandparents, but somehow we came up with the name for my grandfather, Dida. I, it, it was in place before I came along, so I don't know where it came from, but Dida. And my grandmother, his wife, was Nanny. So it was Nanny and Dida. And there was four of us grandchildren. And he, they loved to fish, and so they always would take their grandkids, they'd take us along fishing. We'd love to spend the night, she'd cook for us, it was amazing, and, and we just have such fond memories of being at my grandmother and grandfather's house. But my grandfather took a lot of time with me. My, I had a sister, and then my cousin, he didn't uh, have uh, interest in building things, he was more into music, and things like that, and so it, just zero interest. My grandfather was really good with his hands and creative that way, and so he saw that that was my love. He was intentional with it. And so uh, when I was about, I think, 11 or 12 years old, he bought an apartment house. It had eight units in it, and this place needed reworked. It was old and in bad shape, and so in the summer, he literally took me with him every single day of my summer. I would go with him to work on this apartment, and during the school year, he'd take me over on Saturdays. And during this process, he taught me how to do carpentry, he taught me how to do plumbing, he taught me how to do electrical. And the way he was, he was so patient with me. Instead of him just saying, well, just watch what I do, he would say, this is what you need to do, now you do it, and he'd watch me. And then he'd say, this is your project today. I'm going in the other room if you need me, let me know. And there were times I'd mess it up and go get him, and he'd come back so patient and talk me through it. I love that. And because of that, I learned all of those trades in my life. And it's been also true with my adult kids when they were growing up. He wanted to be just as intentional as a great-grandfather into their life. I remember one time, um, I went over, I'm about 13 and I was gonna cut his grass. He was at work, but I went over and I, I was back in his car out of the garage and wasn't paying close enough attention and I got the car wedged up against the jam of the garage door and I realized and stopped before I had scraped anything and told my grandmother and she freaked out. And so she calls my grandfather and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're calling him at work. And so what does he do? He comes home. And I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. But he was so patient. And he gets there and I'm like, I'm sorry. I, you know, I just wasn't paying close enough attention. He said, that's okay, get in. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, you got it into this mess, you're gonna get it out of this mess. 
And so I'm thinking, man, this is his car. And so he talks me through it and just uh, no scratches on it. And it's just, that's the type of grandfather he was. I can tell you, I never heard him talk about spiritual things, never talked about spiritual things with me. But the guy was so involved with his church. I mean, he literally lived a Christian life. Never one time, I've thought about this so many times, I never one time ever heard him use a swear word. I never heard him, I then later when I was 16, he owned a company, an appliance store, and I went to work there. And so I was around him and the other employees. I never once heard him tell an off-color joke. He was silly with his grandkids and played around and teased with us. He was an intentional grandparent in my life. And because he was, it shaped me. He had a huge impact on me. Be intentional. Number two, share quality time. Sandy and I try to spend as much quality time as we possibly can with my grandkids. Every year, for the last seven years, we've taken all seven of our grandkids with us on a vacation. This year, we're leaving in about two weeks, and we're going to Niagara Falls. And we go somewhere different with them every year. Then uh, another rite of passage is that when they turn 13, Sandy and I take that grandchild with us to New York. And we just have, we go for four days. We have an incredible time. We've got everything planned out. The Statue of Liberty, Central Park, the pedicab. We go to, uh, you know, a play, Broadway play. and We do all these things. We leave one night open. And it's, it's so true. Every, every grandchild we've taken, we've taken four so far. That night we say, okay, this is an open night. What do you want to do? And every grandchild has said, can we just go back to the hotel and do nothing? <laughs> So we wear them out. We have a great time. And then when we, when we come back, Sandy always makes them a scrapbook, and not just any scrapbook. I mean, this thing is pretty amazing. And there, she puts the tickets to the Broadway play and pictures, and she'll, every, every page is different. Every page is set up. It's gorgeous. It's impressive. And she gives that to that grandchild. I'll tell you what, they'll never lose that scrapbook. And I promise you, they'll be showing their children and probably be showing their grandchildren. So quality time with your grandkids is so, so important. Another thing that I do, Sandy's big about birthdays, but the thing I do is uh, I take them out for a, a Papaw birthday date. Done that since they were very young. They can go, we can go anywhere they want to eat, and then whatever they wanna do, usually it was miniature golf or going to a video. Uh, play video games, whatever. And then I always brought them over here to the Carmel campus parking lot. And when they were young, I set them on my lap and let them steer and drive around the church lot. When they turned 11, they were usually too big to sit on my lap. So I got to the passenger side and let them drive the car. And so I taught all my grandkids how to drive. And so if you were driving on the Carmel parking lot, you probably did a double take with this 11-year-old driving around. <laughs> but um, I taught my grandkids to drive. Three of them now have their driver's license, and so now I get to the part where you guys wanna go drive my car? And it's like, no, Papaw, let's go do something else. So, but we still do the Papaw dates. Now I know some of you are saying, Steve, I can't afford to do all that. You know, there's no way. Well, then just get creative because there's so many things that you can do that are not gonna cost you a lot of money and yet they're still gonna have a huge impact. For instance, FX, the church offers FX. You know, if, you're, if their parents aren't taking them, maybe they're too busy or have some other stuff going on, why would you not jump in and take them? 
There's just things like that that are going that are huge in their life. It doesn't need to cost a lot. Find ways to spend quality time with your grandkids. And yet I also realize, you know, the elephant in the room, I also realize that not all of you live close to your grandkids. And it makes it extremely difficult, you know, um, it makes it extremely difficult to do that type of thing in their life. I get that. And yet at the same time, can I just say and push back a little bit and say with today's technology, there are still ways you can connect with them. There are still ways that you can have an impact in their life. You know, Sandy and I, we don't take it for granted. We know we're fortunate to live close to our grandkids. But during COVID, for instance, during COVID, I remember in the beginning of COVID, we didn't even see family. I mean, we locked our doors and wouldn't let anybody in, that type of thing. And so, but Sandy was determined she was gonna see her grandkids. And so she got on the phone with all of them and said, I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a Zoom call three days a week, three afternoons a week, one o'clock. And if you wanna be on that call, just get on the Zoom with me and I'm gonna read you a book. Now, these aren't little kids that she's reading. These are teenagers. She wrote, read one of Bob Goff's books to them and then they'd talk about what they read. And you'd think, well, they're not gonna wanna do that. Almost every one of them were on almost every day. They went through, I think, three or four books. And so the point I'm trying to get at, there are creative things that you can do even if you don't live close to your teenagers. Number three, speak a blessing. I could spend a lot of time on this particular point. This is huge. One of my favorite books, if you've been around Northview very long, you've heard me say this over and over again. But one of my favorite books of all time is called The Blessing by Gary Smalley. And the book is timeless. In other words, it was written uh, years ago, back in the 80s, I think, but the, it's still relevant to today. And I think that every parent should read The Blessing. And I think every grandparent, if you've not read it, you should read it as well. Listen, it is so, so powerful when a grandparent speaks a blessing over their grandkids. You say, well, Steve, I'm not tracking with you. What does it mean by a blessing? A blessing is a voice of approval. It's affirmation of your love for them. It's affirmation of God's love for them. It's a statement of confidence, of love, of trust. It involves the blessings of God into the life of another person. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter one, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are all united with Christ. A blessing is an instrument of God's love. Friends, the words we speak to our grandchildren, they're either gonna be positive and encouraging or they're gonna be negative and close down their spirit. Last night, after the Saturday night service, two uh, grandmother's ladies came up to me and, and uh, the one said, you know, I don't have good memories of my grandmother. She said, in fact, the only memory I have of my grandmother is her looking at me and saying, I never dreamed I would have a grandchild as dumb as you are. That's her only memory of her grandmother. Grandparents, you have a choice. You're either gonna speak positive and a blessing over their life, or you're gonna speak negative and close down their spirit. So what are you gonna do? You need to choose, and your words matter. In Proverbs chapter 18, it says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. In Proverbs 12, it says worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. When you bless others, guys, you affirm them and direct God's goodness to them. 
Friends, you should also, besides blessing your grandchildren, you should also intercede for your grandkids or stand in the gap for your grandkids, which is why it's important that grandparents are not only praying for their grandkids, but they're blessing their grandkids. It's important. You say, so so what's the difference? Prayer is speaking to God on behalf of others. A blessing is speaking to others on behalf of God. Number four, leave a legacy. You know, if you're intentional as grandparents, I promise you, you're gonna leave a legacy. But I once heard it said that Christians are to be guardians of God's glory. Isn't that good? Christians are to be guardians of God's glory. I think that's especially true when we're talking about Christian grandparents. Our goal is to be guardians of God's glory. John Piper once wrote, he said, getting old to the glory of God means getting old in a way that makes God look glorious. Guys, that's what I'm trying to communicate with you today. That's it right there in a nutshell. Grandparents, are you living your life in a way that, are you living your life in a way that makes God look glorious? Because that's what we need to be doing. Are you living in a way that honors God? Especially, especially in a society that's deteriorating like ours is. Listen, it's so important for your grandkids to see you live out a Christian life of integrity. Friends, listen to me. We make a living with what we receive in life, but we make a legacy by what we give out to others. Every year at Christmas, we have a tradition in our home where I read the Christmas story before we open up our gifts because I want my family to remember that the greatest gift at Christmas is the birth of Christ. And here's a picture of, this has been a few years ago because my grandson's much older than that now, but this was Christmas day. We're getting ready to open up our gifts and so I always open it up. Everybody knows it, it's just what we do. I open it up to Luke chapter two and I read the Christmas story. So I can easily describe that to you and say that's what's going on there. But when I see that picture, that's not what hits me. Listen, when I see that picture, it makes me realize I am indeed leaving a legacy to my grandkids because I want them to know what it is that I value. I want them to know what it is that's important in my life. And they can see it by the way I live it out. In Psalms 34, he writes, come my children and listen to me and I will teach you to fear the Lord. I think another way that we leave a legacy is by telling stories. I mean, what kid doesn't love stories? My grandkids, when they would spend the night, it was like they would not go to bed until they heard a papaw story. I had to tell them a story. Kids love stories, but come on, kids aren't alone. As adults, we love stories too. We all love to hear stories, so why not tell your grandkids about times where God showed up in your life? Why not tell your grandkids stories of how God's been real in your life that reflect the goodness of God? In Psalms chapter 78, he writes, oh my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. He says, I'm gonna use stories to bring home my point. I'm gonna tell you things from long ago. Listen, this, I'll tell you what I love about this particular Psalm. It's written 500 years after Moses, 500 years. 
But you see, he wants them to know that the story, he wants them to know all about the stories of God's faithfulness. And so I guess I would ask you today, do you know the stories of of God's faithfulness in your lineage? Do you know the stories of God's faithfulness in your parents' lives or in your grandparents' lives? Listen, friends, when you pass down these stories to your grandchildren, you're beginning a whole new process. You're beginning a process of passing passing them down to your grandchildren's grandchildren, which is why it's all a part of leaving a legacy. Listen, an inheritance is material things that you leave your family. We know that, but a legacy, that's what you're building into their lives. And then number five, be supportive. Be supportive. Listen, grandparents, I, I, I don't know, if, grandparents, hear me for just a minute. I, I don't know if you remember or not, but being a parent is hard. It's hard. And as a parent, there are so many negative influences that are coming against the values you're trying to implant in your child's life. So the last thing a parent needs is for grandparents to make it difficult for them. Your adult children, hear me, your adult children deserve your support as they strive to do their best as parents. And friends, if your adult children are not living for Christ and they don't want you to talk about spiritual things with their children, I know that absolutely breaks your heart, I get it. It certainly makes it more difficult to influence your grandkids, I get it. But it's important to try and keep your relationship as healthy as it possibly can be with your adult children. And so there's still things, just get creative, there's still things that you can do. You can let your kids and grandkids see Christ's love in you, demonstrate it. You can let them see you uh, live out your values, the things you claim you believe. When your grandkids are at your home, you can pray over meals. You can tell them stories about God's faithfulness in your life. And then one day, one day, maybe years later, if they hit a wall or, or, or their life comes unraveled, Maybe then they'll remember where their grandparents found their strength. We should also try to be supportive in all the things that we're doing, the activities by attending concerts or or sporting events as much as we can. You say, well, it's boring, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter if it's boring. That's not why you're doing it. And then grandparents, let me say this. You need to be careful because sometimes we feel like our, hear me, we feel like our experience has given us infallible wisdom. (laughs) It has not. Grandparents don't always know what's best. So if you, if you do disagree with some of your children's parenting choices and rules, uh, bite your tongue till it bleeds. And then, and then, listen, your role as a grandparent is to support their family culture that your child is working so hard to establish and don't make it harder on them than it already is. Don't make it difficult for them. And if you realize that you have made some mistakes, well, don't beat yourself up. We all make mistakes, none of us are perfect, but it is important to own it. You say, that's hard, it is hard. It's swallowing your pride and and it's hard, but it really is important to own it if you've messed up in your grandparenting role. Just tell your kids, you know, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that, and I'm gonna work to be better because it's so important if you don't, there's a wall of pride that's gonna grow between you and it's gonna hurt the relationship between you and your adult child. So it's important that you own it and apologize. Resist the urge, let me say this too, resist the urge to spoil your grandkids. 
You say, well, that's countercultural. I know. But spoiling our grandkids uh, is not always the healthy thing to do. But friends, we're living in a very self-centered society. We're living in a, in a culture that is all about me. So we don't wanna add to the problem by overindulging our grandkids. And if we spoil them, we may actually hinder the work of God in their life. I love what Josh um, Mulville said. He says, if you wanna spoil your grandkids, give them something they won't, that won't perish or spoil. Give them the gospel. That's good. So guys, these are five things you can do. Again, there's more than five things, but these are five things that you can do to be intentional as a grandparent, to have a spiritual impact on the lives of your grandkids. And if you're not sure where to begin, uh, I've also, you might flash a picture of that uh, with your phone, legacycoalition.com. If you're really serious about wanting to be more intentional, that'll give you a lot of ideas on what to do. And here's a book by Kevin Harper, Courageous Grandparenting, which is also, I think, it's not in the, in the bookstores, but it's at all of the info at all of the campuses. And so I would encourage you to, to go and pick up a copy of that. Listen, if you don't have grandkids, there are so many ways, because I know some of you are saying, well, you know what, you know, my adult children are married or they're not married or whatever, and so I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever gonna have grandkids, but I wanna be a grandparent. There are so many ways that you can be a grandparent to other kids. I mean, there are neighborhood kids that you can uh, be a grandparent to. Church, you already heard Joe at the Carmel campus talk about all, the, all that they have needs for. You can volunteer to help there. So just look for ways that you can. Let me close by saying this. You know, most people that know me know that I have a passion and a heart to see people discover a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's, that's just who I am and that's true. But let me tell you, there's something even more important to me than that. And that's to see my kids and grandkids have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Grandparents, hear me. Our grandkids are swimming in a culture that is anti-God and anti-gospel and it's getting worse by the day. And that's why we have to do everything we possibly can to reinforce the gospel. So no matter how old you are or whether or not you have much zip left, I don't have much zip left. <laughs> Allergies. Don't let go. I'm going to ask all grandparents. I'm going to ask all grandparents to stand with me. Every grandparent, every grandparent, stand. I almost made it through. Every grandparent in the place, I want you to stand. And now look around. And I want the rest of you, I wanna pray for them, and so I want every one of you, every grandparent to have somebody laying a hand on their shoulder. Would you just step up and do that? Make sure every grandparent has someone laying a hand on their shoulder. Let's pray. God, I just thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness. You are an amazing God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. And, you know, as we enter this stage of empty nesters, sometimes we think our job is done. But, God, our job is not finished. We enter into a whole new season, a whole new chapter of our life. 
And as grandparents, I pray to God that we would, we would come to understand our role or come to understand our responsibility and help us, Lord, to be intentional. Help us, God, to make a determination that we're gonna speak a blessing over our grandkids. And so I pray for each and every one of these grandparents, and I pray to God that you'd help them to be creative. I pray that you'd help them to be bold. I pray that you'd help them to be intentional. Thanks, God. We love you and we praise you. And I ask, dear God, give us a love for our grandkids like never before. In Jesus' name, amen.